At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, on the heels of this Memorial Day weekend, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're going to go through it. I mean, we talked the last we talked to our listeners, obviously, we recorded Thursday night. They listened Friday Nothing's really happened since then, but we promised we'd be back Tuesday. There are a few things we want to talk about today, though, including the latest as of uh, the weekend for Mike Kliss on the on the Chris Harris situation. But how was your weekend, brother? It was good. You know, it, it's I soaked up some sun. I enjoyed the long holiday weekend. You know as well as I do, Chad, in this business, you don't get much time off, and you kind of have to enjoy your pleasure where you can find them. And, you know, this weekend was one of those few downtime periods, so it was nice. How about you, though? I had a great weekend, spent it with family. My wife does, her her side of the family does like a family reunion thing, and we nice. went up to some hot springs up in the Rocky Mountains and had ourselves a weekend. It wasn't the greatest weather, but they're hot springs, so you can be chilling out in these pools, and it can be raining on you and doesn't really bother you at all. So it was, it was cool, you know, and yeah. the problem for me is like, you know, I, I set it up on my phone plan so that as long as I have a cell signal, I can get internet and I can, you know, hotspot that to my laptop. And so I took my laptop with me and even though I'm unwinding and I did, I didn't work much, but I still, dude, like I have this weird like light bulb going off in the back of my head. If, <laughs> if a certain amount of time has passed and, you know, we haven't produced any content, like I just start... Uh oh, got to get something out. So I think I, I don't know, I think I wrote two or three articles, but it was just like in downtime. I still spent most of my weekend, dude, just chilling with the fam. You heard that, Broncos country? There is no one more dedicated than Chad, than I, than this team that we have here. Even over a holiday weekend, we'd never stop working for you. And Chad, you know, I saw that in you in Indianapolis. We kind of went through our content plan there, and we always wanted to have content up and running. So uh, it's nice that you got away. It's nice that we had some downtime. But I know as well as you are, uh, we're ready for more Broncos football, more Broncos practice. And we're going to get more of it this week. The Broncos will reconvene for the next week of, of OTAs on Wednesday. So we got one more day to go without really much happening in uh, Bronco land, as John Elway likes to call it. And then uh, we'll get some stuff to sink our teeth into. And so we do have some some things to jump on here today and make for a compelling conversation here. But first, just a couple of quick reminders, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to leave your creative review and five-star rating on iTunes. Super important to the uh, life and health, so to speak, of the show. 
All right, Zach, let's talk about this Mike Kliss article. Now, you know, this is a horse, you know, pardon the pun, that we've basically flogged to death over the last couple of weeks. You've written, coming up on, what, 30 articles on Chris Harris so far? It'll be, it'll be 29 the next one I write. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So we don't we don't want to beat this horse completely to death. We want to at least touch on, though, the latest. And this is what jumped out to me. So over the weekend, Mike Kliss dropped a little report, and I'm going to quote some of this here verbatim, and then we'll analyze it. He said, quote, Broncos GM John Elway continued to talk with agent Frederick Lyles Jr. over the Memorial Day uh, holiday weekend about a 2019 contract adjustment for Chris Harris. The two sides have been moving closer to an agreement, sources tell Nine News. But as every negotiator would tell you, a deal is not done till it's done. Notice there, real quick, he said contract adjustment for Harris. We'll come back to that. The cornerback Harris was scheduled to make $8.9 million this year in salary and bonuses in what was supposed to be the final year of his contract, current contract. The Broncos are offering Harris a pay raise, although such contract adjustments without an extension are rare, if not unprecedented. It's clear Elway doesn't want to leave anything to chance as the Broncos attempt to rebound from back-to-back losing seasons. And then I'll close with this. He says, There is cautious optimism. Harris and the team will reach an agreement by the time the Broncos hold their final segment of OTAs Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The Broncos' offseason program continues the following week with a three-day mandatory minicamp, which goes June 4th through the 6th. So, Zach, this is something we've been talking about on the show, the idea that it's just unheard of. I have to concur with Cliss that, you know, he's obviously trying to bolster the team a little bit if this is how it ends up shaking out whether where they're just adjusting his contract they're basically just giving him a raise in a contract year they're not adding any additional years but it doesn't take away from the fact that it is indeed rare if not unprecedented and i'll defy anyone out there if you can find anywhere in the last 25 years of nfl football where a general manager sweetened the contract and i'm not just talking adding incentives kind of like the broncos did with peyton manning in 2015 even though that wasn't a contract year I'm not just talking about incentives. I'm talking about Zach literally saying you're going to be a free agent next year, but hey, you know, before you 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 know head out the door, here's a few extra uh, million dollars. The thing is, though, Chad, you know, a lot of people are saying that Elway's getting played by this, and I know you're very against you know bumping his salary up for only one year and not getting anything back in return. But the only caveat I'll say is there's no guarantee he's going to walk in 2020. They're giving themselves that option of if he has a bad season, if he gets hurt again, his value would plummet. You have the franchise tag, the transition tag. You have some options there. You can still work out a deal. Maybe the relationship between Elway and Lyles will improve over the next couple months. So it's not a sure thing that he'd be gone in 2020. I I can understand why some are against uh, giving him all this money only one year and, and not rewarding him or locking him down. But it's optics. Like I've been saying, it's it's doing right by the player. And Elway and the Broncos did not handle this well. They could have killed this months ago. They'd have been in the bud then, and they didn't. So they, this hasn't been a smooth process. But you got to reward the player. you got to take care of the locker room, smooth that over. And you got to have it uh, as a message to other players and coaches that if you perform well in this organization, we will reward you. You cannot let your stars dangle. Uh, he was lucky he got Von Miller back in, in you know, in team-first mentality. He's not going to make the same mistake with Chris Harris Jr., he just doesn't value him. Ultimately, it's what it seems like as a long piece of the franchise, a long-term piece of the puzzle. That's why he went out and signed two cornerbacks. But he still thinks Harris can help him win this season. And Elway is all in on 2019. 
Every move he made from coaching to personnel is all in for this year. He wants to go back to the playoffs. He's not even thinking about 2020 now. Any ramifications, kicking the can down the road once again, and he's stuck in the short term. That's how I read this entire thing. Well, let's talk about that. Let's, you know, not necessarily to put lipstick on a pig, but let's talk about what it really means for, for 2019. And let's try and, you know, shed some optimism on this situation because as much as the fan base is disappointed that it's not looking like it's going to be an extension, it's just sweetening his 2019 contract. Let's talk about the fact, though, Zach, that, you know what, this this is a Broncos team, once they get Harris back in the fold, that's going to be hitting the 2019 season at full strength. <clears throat> and as Cliss points out in that article, I mean, John Elway, you know, he's feeling, he's feeling the pressure, right? Back-to-back yep. losing seasons, three consecutive years after winning the Super Bowl and hoisting the Lombardi Trophy, three consecutive seasons of missing the playoffs. And John Elway at this point, he... I think he's just feeling the pressure, and maybe that's affecting his decision-making on this aspect because this is very unlike him. This is not an Elway type of deal where, you know, A, he uh, kowtows to this type of a power play from a player, but B, really just throwing extra money at him, not necessarily for no reason, but like he's talked about, he's under contract, and I don't want to go back down that road. But, look, this is a sign that the Broncos really are all about 2019. So for those of you that are, you know, have the tinfoil hat on, you're thinking maybe Drew Locke's going to get his shot or anything. It's not going to happen. This year is all about turning the ship around, reestablishing some sense of normalcy, a competitive form again. I mean, the Broncos have just been such a crap show over the last couple of years <laughs> that Elway's doing what he can and that Harris is, you know, is a symbol of that to get this train back on the track. So in that sense, Zach, let's try and analyze this through the lens of optimism and say, look, at least now we know. I mean, it's not a slam dunk yet, but it sounds like it's going to happen between now and Wednesday, possibly. But Chris Harris is returning to the fold, and this is a team that's going to be at full strength. I I just don't... I don't understand why any Broncos fan is surprised that he's not signed to a long-term deal or won't get one. If they wanted to do that, it would have been done months ago. They've been casting him aside and pushing him to the back burner since... February before the combine, Chad. And then they went out and handed 50-something million dollars to Callahan and Jackson. It said everything back then. What Chris Harris is right now for the Broncos is a hired gun for 2019. There is no longer scope than 2019 for John Elway. Like I said, every single move has pointed to that. He wants to get back to the playoffs by any means possible. And who knows? Maybe there's some sort of wink nod agreement that, okay, you take care of my client now, you give him more money now, we'll give you, you know, we'll look kinder on you in free agency in 2020. We don't know that yet, but it's not a sure thing that he would walk next year. The Broncos still have options and things can still change. He might not have a Pro Bowl season. His value might lower. Uh, I, I can understand the reaction from Broncos country and the pushback, but to say always getting played and getting raked over the coals by this agent, I happen to think he's making the smart play even though he backed himself into a corner, it's going to cost him more money now. But by retaining this guy, showing good faith, good optics, and helping your team potentially get back to the playoffs, I can't really fault him for that alone. Let me ask you this. So Chris Harris Jr., 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. So he's going into his ninth year, right? If 2019 ends up being his last final season with the Denver Broncos and then he goes on to play another three, four years, whatever it might be, elsewhere in the NFL – is Chris Harris Jr. a Ring of Famer, you know, 10 mm. years from now? 
Uh, that's a tough one. That's a good one. I would happen to say probably yes, maybe not first ballot if there's such a thing. But, you know, he's got to be trending in that direction. Definitely one of the best undrafted free agents in team history. I mean, I aside from Louis Wright and aside from Champ Bailey, I mean, you can throw a keep to Lieb in there, but I can't think of trying to think off the top of my head any other corners that had that many Pro Bowl appearances, first or second team All Pro nods, and then of course the big key here is he contributed to a World Championship and he did so playing at a high level. So not only bringing collective success to the team, but also you know garnering those individual accolades. I don't think that. I mean, if you're looking for qualifications, Chris Harris should be, even though he was undrafted, that shouldn't change the fact that he is one of the greatest players in Denver Broncos history. And that's one of the reasons why I think fans are so uncomfortable with this. Because just like in Von Miller's case, where he's clearly one of the greatest players in Broncos history, you you want to see the team as a fan reward those players. You want to keep them around. And at the same time, there's that aspect of a, as a fan where you're, you sometimes you are in denial of the way things are yep. trending. And the truth is, even though this isn't necessarily my viewpoint, the reality is Chris Harris is, you know, he's no spring chicken anymore. He's going into his ninth year, uh, his age 30 season. And he's coming off a season, even though it was a Pro Bowl campaign, he missed the final three games or whatever it was with a broken leg. And it was a minor injury, and there's no reason to think that that's going to linger in any sense or or compromise his, his 2019 season. But there are drawbacks to the idea of John Elway, the GM, going, yeah, let me just, you know, crumble to all of his demands and let's get him signed up at $15 million a year for the next four years. That's what fans want to see. But you got to understand there are reasons why Elway's pumping the brakes on that. And as Zach said, Zach, that was a great point that who knows what could unfold in 2019. I mean, for all we know, Chris Harris Jr. could go on to produce an, an all-pro caliber season under the X's and O's acumen of, of Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel. But the flip side to that is, you know, who knows if he struggles with injury or if he just doesn't have a down year, he gets outshined by other players and his value lowers. That gives Elway better bargaining position come you know, the offseason next season where you could maybe get him for pennies on the dollar of what he's demanding today. Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself. Fans are seeing this as fans. They're not stepping back behind the orange tinted glasses and seeing it as a business. The NFL is a business, and Chris Harris Jr. knows that. Von Miller knew that back then and knows that now. That's what it is. And he's going to be 31. He's coming off a broken leg. He's getting older. And the Broncos signed two premier cornerbacks. Both have versatility. Both Vic Fangio signed off on. He thinks he can win with. So it, it, it comes down to that. Appeasing him now. We don't even know, Chad, if that final number is going to be $15 million. All of these are hypotheticals. We don't know if it's going to be a one-year thing. We don't know if there's any sort of you know under-the-table agreement. We don't know any facts right now other than it's going to be a 2019 pay bump. What if it checks into 13? Then I think fans or 13-5. Fans would be a little more okay with that. It's more palatable than 15. Yeah. The point is, though, they are not going to sign him long-term right now. I think Elway wants to see him coming back from that leg, coming back in Fangio's defense, and seeing how they all mesh together and whether um, the investments he made in free agency – will are more valuable over the long term than one Chris Harris Jr. It's either Jackson and Callahan or one Harris. And if you can retain all three, great. But in the salary cap era and free agency, it's so rare to keep all this talent together. So if they can have them for 2019, I think Broncos fans should be excited about that. Yeah. And just come to terms with the fact that it might be the last year you have Chris Harris in the orange and blue because 
Chris Harris will be in a contract year, and the entire 2016 draft class will be in a contract year. Your entire uh, entire excuse me starting defensive line in a contract year. Your starting center, who also part of that 2016 class. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be some demands on on the pocketbook of the Denver Broncos, and it'll just be interesting to see how it shakes out. And here's to hoping Chris Harris has a career year. I mean, Champ yep. Bailey was able to play really well. I mean, he was playing at an all-pro level all the way up until 2012. And even 2013, in which the Broncos went to Super Bowl 48, he was solid. You know, that's kind of when you could start to see him fall off a cliff, so to speak. You could really notice his play going down. But the year before, right, he played at an all-pro level. And I think it was his 13th I think it was his 13th year, if I'm not mistaken. And he he earned all-pro nod on that year. So... Chris Harris could go on to have another, you know, uh, four or five really quality seasons, and and this could go on to be his best season because he is. I mean, if it ends up just being Zach that they sweeten the deal and pay him more for his contract season, yeah, he's winning today. In the short term, he's getting more money, and that's good. But in the long term, for a guy who's uber motivated and has always played with a massive chip on his shoulder, he knows that the clock's ticking on his career. He's going into a contract year. Whether it's with the Broncos or that next team, he's got to elevate his game and find a way to make one more big contract payday for his family. I mean, Elway's also in an untenable position. Let's say he, he would have gave him a three-year extension, let's say 14 a year. Then what if Harris would have tore his ACL? Elway would have been roasted for that, for giving that sort of commitment to an aging player. And for a GM like him, a controversial guy who's made his mistakes, there's always going to be open to criticism. It's a no-win situation however he handles it. I, I'm of the opinion, and I'm not going out of my way to defend the Broncos, if you can get all of these players on the field for 2019 when you think it's a win-now season, you got to go for that. All right, we still have a couple more things we want to dive into on today's show. First, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Huddle Up Podcast listeners, check this out. If you've been thinking about becoming a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber, now's the time to do it. We have a phenomenal offer to get your foot in the door as a new VIP. Right now, you can get your first month of VIP for $1. That's insane value, and it immediately gives you access to all of the premium content we produce. If you want to subscribe for the year, new annual subscribers will get 30% off the cost of a membership. Never before have we been able to offer new subscribers this kind of introductory incentive to pull the trigger. This is how you get access to our VIP mailbags every Friday. Zach and I answer each and every question from our VIPs, even if it means an episode goes a little bit long. Jumping on this offer also gives you 100% access to every piece of content we produce on the front page, including our Broncos film room breakdowns and every other form of deep dive Broncos content our site is known for. VIPs also get entry into our members-only MHH Insiders Forum, where you hear the insider buzz first from our talented and plugged-in staff, and you get to engage with other passionate and knowledgeable fans just like you. Becoming a VIP subscriber, you guys, it's the best way to support the work and the time Zach and I put into producing a daily podcast for your listening pleasure and edification. So go to milehighhuddle.com, click on the green banner, choose monthly or annual, and you are locked in. The regular season will be here before you know it. So jump on one of these offers, Broncos country. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, let's talk about this article you had on Monday talking about Mike Munchak and his recent comments to Mike Kliss about one Garrett Bowles. And I like how you lead into this article. You say it's crap or get off the pot time for Garrett Bowles. 
Here's the quote from Mike Munchak to Nine News' Mike Kliss. Quote, in regard to whether or not, you know, uh, Munchak is confident in himself and Bulls, whether or not salvation, as you put it, Zach, is a season away, Munchak says, quote, I hope so. He's going into his third year. And for an offensive lineman, obviously a lot is expected of a first-round draft choice. But the thing is, he's had a couple. I'll be his his third O-line coach in three years. People don't realize how hard that is on the development of a player. So hopefully I can stay with him for a while and we can develop something. But he has obvious Uh, obviously great skills. He's a great athlete, can do a lot of things for you. He'll fit really well in this offense. So I'm enjoying our relationship, getting to know each other, getting to know what he does well, how I can help him going forward because there's really nothing he can't do. Now, Zach, close quote, you wrote the article. What was your take on Mike Munchak regarding his overall mindset, I guess, with the project of sorts, probably Arguably, his his the number one reason he was brought to Denver to salvage Garrett Bowles. What were your thoughts on that comment? I think he handled it well, and and he he's not stupid to the fact or dumb or ignorant to the fact that Bowles has struggled with consistency, with technique and pass protection and penalties and holding. He's watched the tape. He's the best OL coach in the business. He's a Hall of Famer, and every word, every expression, every you know stump he gives in the Broncos front office, it matters, and and, and, and the Broncos coaching staff. I nothing really he can't do. I mean, some of this was platitude, some of this was just offseason fluff. I do happen to think though he will. If there's anyone who can do it, Chad, anyone in the NFL, it is definitely Mike Munchak. He will get him to be maybe not a pro bowler this year, but definitely a consistent player. And the Broncos can finally get some return back on their draft investment because he might not be a bust Garrett Bowles, but he's kind of veering in that direction for me. The idea, and I like how Munchak brought up the fact that look. He's a first-round pick, and a lot is expected of a first-round pick. Now, I'm of the opinion that, and I said this coming out of his rookie year, which at times was just so hard to watch with all the penalties and the lapses in discipline. Because when the when when the discipline, when you have lapses in that department, fans, listen to this. The, there, here's why lapses in discipline is important and why it can really crush an offensive lineman. They are taught technique, and it is hammered into them over the course of their entire playing career. Now, Bowles, you know, he hasn't been playing offensive tackle for that long. Call it, you know, five, six seasons or years in real time, maybe. Maybe even less than that, maybe five. All this time, though, he's getting hammered into him, and at the pro level, now this will be the third coach hammering technique into him, and they're taught to do that so that when they're on the field, they don't have to think so much about technique. They can just react and play and play smart and their technique is going to save the day, so to speak. What Garrett Bowles has done is he's gotten lazy, and he's lapsed, and he's let his emotional, whatever his mood of the day might be, that dictates how he performs on game day. If he's in some kind of a you know screw-it-all type of mood or he stepped on his toe or stubbed his toe, whatever, getting out of bed, he's probably going to get one or two holding calls that day. So he's letting his emotions, Zach, govern his whether or not he actually – stays disciplined to his technique and he thinks well because i'm so athletic and i'm so talented in that department because he did blow up the combine i mean there's a reason why the broncos took him with the 20th pick in that draft he's got the talent and he's got the athleticism and he thinks 
wrongly and blindly at times that that can save him. So if Mike Munchak can somehow, it's not a physical thing here, Zach, that they're trying no. to salvage. It's a, it's almost like a spiritual and a psychological thing in which Mike Munchak, it's a gap he has to bridge. And good coaching can bridge that gap. And that's, I guess, what Bowles has lacked the last couple of years. When you continually get called for penalties and, and personal fouls and you're hurting your team and it's allowed to continue and not put an end to, that's coaching. That's all it is. Fortunately, Vic Fangio is no BS. Mike Munchak is no BS. They're going to get him back in shape. And like you said, Chad, it's true. It's not a physical thing. He has all the physical upside in the world. If you could just put it together between the ears, you have a hopeful franchise left tackle and not just a, a borderline, you know, I'm, we might have missed on that pick. We might have just drafted Ryan Ramchick instead. I happen to think, you know, he can be salvaged. I, it can happen. I don't think he'll ever be an all-pro. You know, he'll ever be a Joe Thomas on the blind side. But if you can make him... Above average, you can win with him. I think back to the you know the heyday of Ryan Clady. I mean, as a rookie, now he was a first-round pick. Fans can remember 2008, Mike uh, Shanahan's final year as the draft czar for the Denver Broncos. He took Ryan Clady out of Boise State, and Clady went on to start all 16 games as a left tackle as a rookie. And he's the up to this point, I'm pretty sure this this record still stands. He is the only rookie in NFL history to start all 16 games at left tackle. Now, this is even back then. This is where all of the pre-eminent uh, pre, uh, pass rushers came from, right? They came off the blind side every time. Now you see him coming off right tackle more and more. Von Miller's kind of a guy that spearheaded that. Back then, it was still the, quite the traditional. The best pass rushers came off the right side of the defensive line, left side of the offensive line. He's the only left tackle rookie ever to go an entire 16 games as a starter and not surrender a sack. Now, the asterisk is that he did he was credited with surrendering half a sack. I don't know how that comes into play, but he, he still holds that record. Now, I go on that to, to showcase that Garrett Bowles, that's kind of the legacy, I think, that fans had in mind when the Broncos selected Garrett Bowles. That's never going to happen. Those were the halcyon days. Like Ryan Clady, were it not for injuries, about halfway through what should have been a long and successful playing career, Ryan Clady was on pace to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he was on pace to appear in two Super Bowls. Technically, he has a ring with the Broncos from Super Bowl 50. Even though he was injured that whole year, he was on the roster, so we got a ring. He was on pace to have that kind of a season, or, or career, I should say, Zach, where Hall of Fame you know, caliber, that's not Garrett Bowles. Right? At this point, it's all about just saving face, trying to salvage these next three years in which the Broncos control him. Technically, he's got two left on his counting this year. He's got two left on his deal, plus the Broncos can option him. Mike Munchak's got to salvage that. But, Zach, if you look at what he was able to do with undrafted guys, I mean, uh, villain waiver, whatever his name is, I don't want to, Alejandro, whatever, the left tackle mm-hmm. there, the former Army Ranger, This I love that dude. His story is phenomenal. Undrafted guy, and now he's an all-pro slot, or pro bowler, excuse me. So if that's, if, if Munchak can have a similar type of impact with Bulls, maybe you can get him up to, you know, a slightly above league average type of player, but he's never going to be Ryan Clay. No, and you know you just need consistency. And the good thing, the encouraging thing about Bowles is that he's traditionally been a late bloomer. He entered the NFL extremely late. He had that Mormon mission, and uh, he's always kind of just developed late. And maybe the best is yet to come. Maybe in the third year is traditionally for rookies and incoming players when they start to break out. The first couple of years are a struggle. He was better last year incrementally than he was as a rookie, so he's trending at least positively, and he has much better coaching now. 
I I would want above average. I'd be happy with you know consistent and stable and reliable. Uh, any other awards or anything else honors is just a cherry on top. They just need consistency there, especially for a quarterback like Joe Flacco, Chad, who in the pocket, that's his blind side. There's not much movement ability there. So he has to really get his, his mental game on shape now. Not according to Cortland Sutton. You know, Joe, Joe Flacco's athleticism should is nothing to be trifled with if you listen He's to He's a real him. Mike Vick, yeah. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the silver lining. Okay, you in this article, you do a great job of laying out kind of the curve you know, the, the progressive curve that, that Bowles has been on since entering the league. Last year, well, his rookie year, right, he paced the entire league surrendering eight and a half sacks. And that's mm-hmm. to go with all the holding penalties and all that. Well, in his second year with a new coaching staff, he allowed three sacks and was called for holding seven times. And he was also penalized three times for false starts. So even though that's a lot, and it is, I mean, that's a lot of numbers to throw out there. At least we can say, look, even without a Mike Munchak there to hold his hand, he showed improvement going from year one to year two. But now we need to see the quantum leap. Plus, you know, we, you you and I both watched the film from last year. A lot, some of the sacks, I won't say a lot of them, but you know, a few of them at least were not all on Garrett Bowles. It was a deteriorating offensive line that was racked by injury. It was a bad quarterback in Keenum who just stood there in the pocket and took covered sacks. I, you, you saw some progress last year with a little better coaching. But Mon- Mike Munchak and Chris Strausser and Sean Kugler, it's no competition there. The Broncos got a massive upgrade, and they did it with Bulls in mind. If there was one guy on this front five that stands to benefit the most or needs to benefit the most right now, it's Garrett Bulls. All right, I want to talk about one last thing before we get out of here. I didn't realize this. Now, we all knew, of course, that if you look at Joe Flacco's resume, okay, he's never— been to a Pro Bowl. He's never played in a Pro Bowl or been voted as a first-team Pro Bowler where where it doesn't matter whether he plays or not. So the guys who get, you know, or let's just call them the first ballot Pro Bowlers, whether they play in the game or not, it's going on their resume that they made the Pro Bowl. Now, if you're an alternate and someone steps out and, they, and you get asked to play and you choose not to participate, you're not going to be considered a Pro Bowler. And if you're an alternate like Trevor Simeon was, I think after the 2016 season, he was an alternate, didn't get to play. He still doesn't get to say he was a Pro Bowler. Joe Flacco, in 11 years, has never made the Pro Bowl. Now, we know he won a Super Bowl, and he was voted Super Bowl MVP. But he is approaching, I learned this over the weekend, Zach, and it didn't, just never occurred to me. He's approaching the all-time record for the most starts as a quarterback in the NFL without making a Pro Bowl. But here's an asterisk. This is the second time in this podcast I've used that word with Joe Flacco. In 2015, he was a second team, so he was a first alternate for the Pro Bowl. And uh, he chose, and then the three first-teamer guys or whatever bowed out, and he was invited as an alternate to come play. He declined the invitation, Zach, because his wife, Dana, was due to give birth to their third child at the time. Otherwise... That ignominious, uh, you know, little factoid on his resume wouldn't be there. You know, I'm the last person to defend Joe Flacco, but I don't put much stock personally into Pro Bowls, especially for a team like the Ravens, who were the sum of all their parts, more or less. We talked about Chad on a previous pod that Flacco's supporting cast hasn't been great. 
He hasn't had the best receivers, hasn't had the best, you know, pass catching weapons around him, even the best running backs. So he's had to kind of make do with what he's has, you know, and to a lesser extent like Tom Brady has over the over the years. Uh, it's 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 surprising that he's heading toward that record that you know the Broncos would have that kind of quarterback. But uh, Elway feels differently. He doesn't put much stock in that. He feels that you know Flacco is entering his prime right now. So if he's going to make a Pro Bowl, Elway believes it'll happen when he's thirty four years old. <laughs> I I uh, I will uh, plead the fifth on that. But I think you do bring up a good point. And yes, we've talked about it on the show before, but this is arguably his first year in Denver. This is arguably the best, if not one of the best, you know, take your pick, supporting casts he's ever had. The only question there will be whether or not the offensive line takes shape. But from a skill position perspective, I mean, you've got a Pro Bowl running back. You've got a Pro Bowl wide receiver right there. I don't think he's ever had two of those on the same roster at the right. same time. Good point. Yep. And then you've got Noah Fant. You know, you've got two really young and exciting receivers in Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, plus, you know, a bevy of backup tight ends, all of whom have just only begun to scratch the surface on on their potential. So I think there's a really strong argument to be made, and I, I can understand Elway, you know, especially when you factor in that his greatest successes in his career came late and into his mid-30s, John Elway, he can say, look, you know, he's 34, I think he's still in his prime, because John Elway, being a former quarterback, that's just the psychology that he has, but I'm really interested, that being said, to see whether or not Joe Flacco, as you said, the Ravens were one of those teams that they are, they've always just been kind of a sum of all their different parts, and if anything, they're they're known for their smash mouth defense all these years, even with Joe Flacco there. And I don't think as an organization they ever tried to really invest into the offense to give Joe Flacco the opportunity to take that next step as a quarterback, whether it be via the offensive coordinators he's been surrounded with, with the exception of Gary Kubiak, or the supporting cast and and, and skill positions around him. I just don't think the the brand or the the you know, the mindset of the team that he had there in Baltimore all, all those years, that was just never their style to say, now I'm not comparing him to Peyton Manning, but in the way that the Colts or the Broncos just invested in their quarterback, not just by paying him, but by putting the pieces around him to allow him to elevate and take the team to another level, Flacco's never really had that. And maybe you could argue that, well, he never showed the team that he could handle that. So the team had to find other ways to build around the roster and win. And you might not be wrong, but here's to hope, Zach, that this time around, with some real investment and some talent there on that side of the ball, who knows? Maybe John Elway, he's you know he's not partaking in that suddenly legal substance that is there in Colorado, <laughs> and he's you know he's making a rational call when he says that that, that Flacco's just entering his prime. You make a good point that Baltimore wasn't conducive to making the Pro Bowl. And on paper, the Broncos supporting cast is impressive. You know, factor in what you said, Chad, and also the fact that on paper, if they stay healthy, this offensive line could be top 10 in the NFL. And they have a much better coaching staff, a competent coaching staff all the way around. It's definitely a good position for Flacco. They kind of assembled the team and all the moves around Flacco. And Elway is really all in, genuinely all in. You and I looked at each other, Chad, in Indianapolis, and we said the same thing to each other. Elway is genuinely all in on Joe Flacco, and he really does believe uh, he could blossom now in Denver. If I just think the bar is set so low, though, after the last couple years, if Flacco has even an 8-8 eight and eight season, 9-7, and seven, no playoffs, he can spin that into saying, well, I was right. He came back from being benched last year and traded, and he's looking like he can be productive for at least another season before we bridge to Drew Locke. 
I I will still say, like I've said on every other podcast, though, I want to see it before I'll believe it with Joe Flacco. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, hey, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We're going to be back with a fresh episode for you on Thursday, of course. Meanwhile, Wednesday, the Broncos will kick off the this final week of their OTAs, their voluntary OTAs, and you'll have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos to get you through that day. And then fortunately, by the time we roll around again, we'll have some, some new stuff to digest and break down for you. But in the meantime... Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. Don't forget to leave your creative review and five-star rating on iTunes. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Have a great week, you guys. We'll talk to you on the other side of Hump Day. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.